Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is Senior Account Director Ellie Byron-Marsh. We've been friends with Ellie now for quite a few years, over which time she's moved between a, a, a few agencies. We've always had a great time with her on set uh, and I was really looking forward to getting her in for a chat today. We talk about her past, going to university in Manchester, uh, getting her very first internship and a number of baptisms of fire, uh, making her way through the world of PR. I hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with Ellie Byron-Marsh. Ellie, welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. It's lovely to see you, my friend. How are you? I am okay. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. Um, it's a quiet Wednesday, lockdown number three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, it's been a bit of an up and down journey, to be honest. Like some weeks you're really busy and it flies by. Yeah. And then other weeks, like last week, I was just sitting at home, just literally staring out the window because it's so cold. It's really wet. Like you go out for a walk you're soaked within 10 minutes this is not not as fun so lots of yeah, yoga at home what have you been that. doing how, how are you i'm good i mean i think i said someone today i was waiting for the inspiration train to turn up and it has not turned up so this week and the last two weeks have been pretty dry i've been literally staring at my computer being like fucking mm. hell what am i gonna do today how am i really? gonna fill this day yeah but it's been good i mean lockdown overall i think has been pretty i've kind of like i really hate the first one because i'm so used to going out all the time with your mates you know what i mean i live on my own i was like live on my own it's gonna be sick i'll be out all the time i never gonna be at home and then obviously coronavirus ruined all of that so i've had to really learn how to be on my own to the point where my neighbors thought i had people around at my house in lockdown one but it was actually just me talking to myself <laughs> and i've not i'd reached such levels of conversation that they were like who did you have round? Like, you're definitely not allowed to have people round. And it sounded I was like, quite heated at one point. <laughs> exactly. It's just me screaming at myself, being like, fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, no, it's been all right, I think. I can I think, just see, like, doing that Home Alone scene where he's got all the cardboard cutouts of, like, all your friends. And do, 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 don't even do, tempt do, me. Do, I started do, talking, do. talking about my plants like they were my friends. That's when everyone was like, Ellie, we think we need to, like, put a routine in for you. Like, you need to get out and see people because living on your own may be not great for you because you're talking to yourself. <laughs> So, there we go. <laughs> oh, mate. What, what, what's your, like, situation in terms of work then? What are you, are you on furlough? You're just working from home all the time? No, not been on furlough at all, which I feel very grateful for. I can't yeah. lie, because I know it's been really tough. And especially, I guess, in the kind of, like, industries that I work with and in, a lot of people are on furlough. You know, there's been a lot of redundancies across the like, industry. And you see people really having a shit time. So, I feel very grateful for it. But... I think there did come a point where, you know, we were really lucky, like a lot of our clients, the day after lockdown was announced, cut everything, stopped everything, was deadly silent, and you were like, shit, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. There were a few clients that were like, used it as a real opportunity to do more. And so I was working like 13, 14 hour days, sat in my house being what? like, the world is falling around my ears, but like weirdly work was a really good anchor because it, I knew every morning I was getting up, no matter what happened, I had to be online at nine and I would yeah. be there until it was done. So in a way work was really useful. It's almost like a forced schedule, like kind of, yeah, not and forced, but you know what I mean? Like you have something you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think I have really struggled with anxiety my whole life. And only in the last three years did I know it was anxiety and depression. Because I think a lot of people today talk about depression in a way that 
makes it seem like every time you're sad, you're depressed, which is not right. Like if you really have depression, you feel like you're a zombie walking through life. You can't, like colors you don't really see. Like this is how I had it anyway. Colors I couldn't really see properly. Everything felt very gray. Noises were quite like low. Like, I don't even know how to explain this, but routine really saved me. And I think learning those skills before when I was younger and bringing them into lockdown and now has really helped because I was like, you know what? getting out of bed feels like a mad mission sometimes. Mm. And you're like lying there and you're like, oh God, no, I can't do this today. But you realize that like, once you get going, you know that you'll feel the benefit. It's like people who talk about running, those pricks who are like, yeah, I love running like 10 miles. And at the end I feel great. I'm not one of those people, but I know that like going to make a cup of tea is gonna help me out, if that yeah. makes sense. So Mate, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it was, it's been okay. She sort of had the toolkit to um, to deal with like, yeah. this format of social existence that we have which is kind of non-social yes yeah. yeah i don't know it's a bit weird so your work your workflow actually increased then over lockdown yeah, which i find definitely quite interesting got more and it wasn't as many clients maybe oh maybe it was i can't re- do you know what it's a blur i think a lot of it yeah and i remember getting i remember actually just before lockdown started i was looking at trying to build a vibrating dance floor at all points east festival for a client yeah and then meeting this mad man who was building them in Chinese nightclubs. And he was and he was like, honestly, one of these people you find on the internet and you meet him in real life and he is just as mad as you thought. Real <laughs> weird dude, had just got off a flight from China. What's the benefit of a vibrating dance floor? It was for people who couldn't, who are deaf. Oh, and so, no, I saw this. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, were gonna, yeah, I think maybe we were going to work on this together because yes. I think I talked to David about it and I was going to get you to do the content. It was an amazing idea. Yeah. It vibrates at the frequency of, of the, the music. music. Yes. So they can, and it vibrates in such a way they can actually hear, it's like they can hear it. So we were going to do this. And I was like, this is going to be the best summer ever. It's going to be loads of festivals. I'm going to get to go to festivals for free. Brilliant. Awesome. Loads of traveling. Week later, no more dance floor. But there we go. So yeah, a lot more work. For people that don't know, maybe just explain sort of where you work, what you do. Yeah. um, At the moment. That's a really good question. (laughs) How to make what I sound, what I do sound fun. Um, I work in PR which is kind of like the estate agent of the media industry, I think. Everyone's like, I work in PR, don't tell anyone. Um, But, you know, (laughs) I enjoy it, unfortunately. Um, And what am I? I'm an account director at Exposure, which is one of the, like, old boys of the... Old boys and girls, and whoever you are, it's one of those, of Mm -hmm. the PR world. And what do I do? Oh, you do loads of stuff. They tell you it's one thing, and it's definitely not AbFab, I tell you that much. I was 100% ready for AbFab, cigarettes and champagne, all day long, calling bubbles and getting her to do my work that didn't happen it has never happened and it's I think a lot of people are like oh your job looks amazing I think my grandma still thinks I'm a tv presenter which is great <laughs> um but it's lots of different things it's like social media it's talking to journalists it's writing press releases for brands it's shooting video content yep. not yourself this is why we work together because when it comes to content and people ask for my opinion I'm like Yep, looks really good. Will there's, it... there's a classic reply that some people use in this industry. Is I don't know. What do you think? Uh, what do you mean the classic response? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I'm a director and I'm asking you the DOP, I don't know. What do you think? Oh <laughs> so no, just... I'm just. I don't even pretend. I'm like, if you think it looks good, cool. And as long as it's got these three things in that I need, okay. do your thing. Like, Perfect. <laughs> I don't even pretend to know. There is no point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do a bit of everything, really. Nice mate. Yeah. What kind of uh, so what clients have you been working on over? So this work from home period where their actual output has increased because I, I did wonder this I was like right everyone's locked up at home yeah staring at their phones way more susceptible to targeted advertising mm. surely quite a few companies might try and capitalize it 
capitalize on it a little bit you know yeah. one wants to see seem like they're profiteering obviously but yeah, what, yeah. you know it what... wasn't really like that kind of work it was brew dog mainly they really saw and understood like lockdown they're like they're like they're a bit of a marmite brand i think a lot of people either yeah really like them or love to hate them like they're very divisive in that way like some of the stuff they do um and they did a lot of so like social good in like while we've been locked down so it was doing a lot of stuff for them and sort nice. of scrambling around trying to work out how to close bars and tell everyone the bars are closed but then also make hand sanitizer from a distilling kit in scotland and make it a sufficient grade that the nhs could use it and what? sending it out to people and you know setting up a delivery service for an app working out how the hell to do that, how to make an online bar. Like, <laughs> honestly, I looked back at all the work we did and I was like, Jesus, like, it's quite mad. <laughs> quite mad. But yeah, it was good. Thankful for it to be keeping you busy, I Yeah, guess. definitely. And it's also like, really enjoy, I really enjoy it. I've worked across them from two, across two agencies for like four, maybe four or five years now. Nice. So I know them really well. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like the, one of the longest standing unofficial employees of, of recent. Do you know what I mean? Like you see people come and go and you're sort of like, Okay, cool. Shit, I now know more than you. This is really scary because if I fuck up, then this isn't good. This isn't good for anyone. <laughs> the bike stops with you. Yeah, exactly. So here on Family and Friends, we sort of begin by getting stuck into uh, your creative past uh, and just you know how you kind of got to the position you're in now and yeah. Uh, where you are in your journey and you know etc as so, an avid listener I've, I've heard everyone fantastic. else before me so good, don't worry <laughs> good to hear um, so Ellie where, where are you from what are you about where did you go to school all that kind of stuff uh, where am I from I'm from Ealing yes West um, London yes West yeah, London yeah. I mean you know what West London is a great place to grow up but when you get to a certain age and you're like this place is dead you've got to fly the nest you've got to go yeah mm. I think I was ready to go at like 16 I was like done Ealing <laughs> is dead ready to me. To sorry the to all the Ealing people <laughs> out there people from Ealing get really offended if you are mean about Ealing really like it's it's really weird people like, are going to be throwing milkshakes at you next yeah, time you're there no milkshakes you're joking Ealing is way more worse than that bricks yeah 100% brick stones <laughs> I'll be called a pariah march through the streets you know what I'm um but yeah and where did I go to school all over the place really local Hammersmith all over the place but yeah what am I about that's a really good question I don't know I think I got into this job as like an accident so I have no idea what what led up to the accident did you go to university I did go to university, I went to Manchester, and okay. everyone was like, yeah, Manchester's going to be stuck. And I got there and I was like, I really like London. Like, mm. going to university, great experience, like, nothing against Manchester, because I always get very worried about these Mancunians, because they love Manchester as much as people of Ealing love Ealing. <laughs> like, Manchester's cool, but it rains 300 days out of 365, which isn't great. Wow, didn't yeah. know that. I mean, I don't think that's an actual fact. It's but soggy it feels capital. Like it's soggy and it's grey. But you can go and visit all the other bits. So I went up to like Newcastle, <laughs> I saw Liverpool, went to Edinburgh, went to Glasgow, went to Sheffield. So like you really used it to go and like see yeah, other yeah, people, yeah. which is It's like amazing. bang in the middle of the UK, isn't it? Yeah. I highly rate Glasgow. What do you think of Glasgow? Yeah, I love Glasgow. Glasgow is my favourite. I've been there like three or four times. Yeah. It's much better than Edinburgh, I yes. think. Edinburgh's a bit posh. Edinburgh's a bit King's Road of Posh Scotland. Scottish, yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. really like it that much. No, not really. It's very expensive. Um, Glasgow, on the other hand, is like, it's just, I love Glaswegians. Yeah. They're the best people. They're yeah. just super friendly. Like, they get, up, they get up some crazy shit. Like, I was doing a documentary there. Yeah. And most of the participants had 
um, other people featured had stab wounds or had stabbed people. Oh, wow. And the way they, ta- they talk about it, they talk about it like you're going shopping at Lidl. They're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I fucking put <laughs> so one good. in his back. Like, he's got tattoos next to the scars, being like, better luck next time. And, wow. But these guys, guys were just... Around. But I'll just tell you their life story in, in the first 10 minutes that you meet them, why mm. they went to prison, how long they stayed in, like, you know, how close they were to dying, you know, yeah. how long they spent homeless, like... I don't know. It's such a fantastic place in Glasgow. I took yeah. my, uh, my my friend Harry there for his uh, stag do. Yeah. And I think when he saw the tickets, he was like, why the fuck are we going to Scotland? Yeah. I was like, just wait and see, mate. Wait yeah, and see. Scotland, no. But Glasgow is great. Yeah, it's and the great. people are really nice. And I think also, I'm one of these people I will literally talk to anyone. Yeah. I literally, my mum my says I collect people. Like, I'll go, I'll be like going to the corner shop and I'll make friends with the guy behind the till. That's nice though. And then my mum comes in, she's like, who's that? I was like, oh, oh yeah, don't worry. That's that's like Jim. We've made friends last time I was here. We bonded yeah. over Marble Golds, whatever it was. Don't know, something silly. But that's nice though, because I kind of, I see that and I, I envy that in people mm. because I'm sort of like quite, not reserved. I'm not that reserved if you know me. Yeah. But to people I don't know, I, I probably seem quite quiet and yeah. a bit sort of sealed off. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I, I love it when I see, um, you know, people I know that just, chat to everyone yeah and then, like i've got another friend uh, my friend ash he um he's like that yeah he will yeah. just you know if, if he spends any amount of time anywhere he will just begin to know people and yeah it's really nice though i guess it makes it i think what i've really realized in lockdown as well is like the value of like a neighborhood mm-hmm. and everyone's like oh london no one talks to anyone and that is such fucking bullshit mm. like i think you need to go you and talk just, to people you just make the effort yeah exactly yeah. And sitting like, in your flat being like oh no one's talking to me it's yeah, like, obviously oh, not. it's like girls when they're like oh i'm waiting for my dream man and is he not gonna break into your house love you have to go and meet him do you know what i mean He's not going to be there like, I'm here, I've arrived. <laughs> and it's like, no, none of that stuff happens, guys. Sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely. Nice. What do you? What did you study in uh, Manchester Uni? I studied geography and environmental management. And for anyone, do not do that subject because it goes nowhere. And everyone on my course went off. Are you telling me you don't use that knowledge on a daily basis? I, uh, no. And Longshore Drift is still the only thing I remember because that's literally all anyone remembers. That's the one with the, sh- the, uh, the shale moves down the... There you go. S- smashed it. The coast, right? Yep. And that's why they build those wooden things. There you go. To stop the world ending. Yep, that's my grandson total knowledge of geography <laughs> after doing it as a degree. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I went to Manchester to go and do that. And then I think it was just because I couldn't, I wasn't, my parents did corporate jobs. And so they didn't have any kind of idea of a, a, a route that existed outside of university. And I think had I not gone to university, I could have done this job. And yeah, I would probably be different in the way I approached it because the way I'd grown up was different, but I don't think I necessarily needed to go to uni at all. No, I don't think so. But I mean, it's it's a tricky one because you pick up other things at university. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe perhaps part of your sort of drive and your organisational skills was nurtured while you were studying that time. Or No. <laughs> you're pulling your face My attendance <laughs> at university was even worse than my attendance at school, what? if that's even possible. Really? Yeah. I think it was like 60% oh, at school. Okay if not less and oh, then university right. I think I was hitting the high 40s max wow really yeah because this is my theory that I because I didn't go to university I yeah. went straight into television mm. well I so said straight into like I had a few jobs when I was like 18 19 mm. but I started in tv when I was 19 mm. but I didn't go to university and I, I don't know I think maybe it's more of a, like a mental block because I know I didn't do that yeah maybe I second guess myself when it comes to like academic sort yeah. of things or I'm not sure it might just be a thing in my head I'd, yeah I think it might I be because like don't worry you didn't really? uh, like I mm. enjoyed this social experience of uni because it is really weird because you I basically live with 
one girl who I knew from London and everyone else was from, I don't know, Reading, Man- uh, Manchester, Yorkshire, like all over the spot. Nice. And so you are basically put in like this house of all these people and you're like, shit, like I don't, like we don't we don't go to we don't go to lessons together anymore it's not school so like what yeah. like you have to make friends again and learn like a whole nother set of skills and you yeah. go on a night out and you meet people on a night out and you just like learn that kind of stuff like i think was really useful mm. but in terms of like academics i mean maybe i did learn something and i've completely forgotten but like i did not feel like i was that organized i did not spend any time in the library i was did, not that did you change a lot as a person over the three years i think it was a bit of a culture shock to yeah. be honest like I think hanging out in West London with West London people and then going up north and hanging out with people who are not from West London is a shock. <laughs> like, it was good shock, but like, it was a like, 18 year old me was like, tra la 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 la, off I go to Manchester. And I got there and I was like, it's fucking grey. I live somewhere that is so, like, anyone who knows Manchester, Fallowfield is dead. Like, it's really fun. Yeah. But like, when you're looking out your window on a grey morning, mm. it's not going to inspire you to do much, I tell you. No bueno. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. What, um, so what was your path finishing uni? What was your, what was your plan? I did not have a plan. You didn't have one? I've always, I've always like, even when I was younger, I was like, cool, I'll have a job because job is money. Money means I can go and do whatever I want. So that was always been my thought process. Eat it to wasn't. live, don't live to eat. Live to thing. go and have fun. Don't don't yeah, like yeah. that was mainly it. I was like, I want to go and have fun with my mates. How can I do that? Cool, get a job. So I've always had like weird jobs. Like I got like I did waitressing <laughs> yeah, on, jobs. I did like all that kind of stuff. I worked for like well, a, like live uh, hospitality. A, hospitality stuff, did yeah. all of that. Worked at like Wimbledon, which was quite jokes. Was at the Olympics. Oh, so cool. I worked at the Olympics. In no one way. Day. Yeah, it sounds really cool. It was not cool. I promise you. It was really long days of talking to people who were incredibly rude, and then. You do some weird ones like you do the races and like people would like do bets with you and if they won they'd give you some of the money and like one football manager who shall remain nameless paid me sixty pounds to sit on his lap. It was like very weird stuff like that that you would do with your summer holidays. That sounded a bit strange. It was very in height. You know what? In this whole Me Too era, it is really odd. But at the time, I was like, jokes, sixty quid, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a night out. They throw you like a big party at the end. Never. Are you joking? What? No. Why'd they throw us party at the end? What? Eh? No, we were all on like minimum wage. They did not care about us. They were like, off you go, love. Bye. Brilliant. Not very fun. But it was <laughs> it was good because it meant that like on the weekends I could go out with my mates. It was like fun. Yeah, yeah, there were yeah, other yeah. people who are my own age who like did it. And you learn loads of stuff like how not to run a bar, how to drop six pints in a go, how like all that sort of stuff. Like you learn loads of like important stuff like life that. Lessons. Yeah, exactly. Very important life lessons. Now right. I can carry six pints. Can I? Yeah, just about. Um, <laughs> well, I like, yeah. We might have to wait until fucking July to find out. But yeah. yeah oh, <laughs> I'll do a Zoom. I'll do a Zoom workshop. Yeah. How to carry six pints. That's very locked down. Oh, too um, <laughs> Just the words you drop them all. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I'm mean, going to do it just to prove you wrong. Don't worry about it. Um, this will be actually a video cast. It will be me carrying pints for the rest yeah, of the podcast yeah. like this. Just prove <laughs> I can. Um, what else did I do? So I went, yeah, went to uni and I got out. And I was like, by got out, I mean the day that I graduated, I was like, get me back to London. I'm out of here. Let's go. Really? So just zipped off? Zipped off. Yeah. Came back to London. And then all my friends started coming back. Went travelling. Classic. For like, I think, did we go travelling that summer? I think so. For like a month. Okay. Came back. Where did you go? Where did I go? All round. So we'd got the train. We did the interrail, oh, which was actually really fun. Is that good? Stayed in loads of like mad hostels. Yeah, I've heard it's like recommended. Yeah, it was really fun. fun. It was basically me and four boys. And I, they basically, 
like they're not they just were like happy to stay anywhere they managed the route i just would rock up in these places and they'd be like we are staying here and i was like does that even have a roof like where are we staying Pretty what sure is this one's this? on fire yeah exactly and they'd be like come in and i'd be like oh fuck okay cool and they'd always be run by like these crazy crackpots who'd be like a shot of local alcohol and it tasted like de-icer or something and you'd be there like am i gonna go blind is this gonna be okay only one way to find out yeah exactly <laughs> Um, I love that. So I did that, and then like I got out of uni, and I basically applied for one million internships, did all of that sort of stuff, got an internship or something that was like for very rich people. It basically did stuff like organize their holidays, organize their house moves. It's like this concierge service, and I worked there for a bit. Right. Not not what I wanted. Not to very do. fulfilling, I'd imagine. Not, not at all. And the people weren't very nice, and it was all just a bit rubbish. And then I went and worked for these two old ladies at a travel agency that they ran, which was another job that I just got offered. And I was just like, fuck it, it's money. Cool, I'll yeah. go do it and see if I like it. I didn't like it. What didn't you like about it? I think it was just like, I, in my head, being, it's like, it's always, I always say this to people, I was like, when you're a kid, you were sold that being an adult would be fun. And I don't think paying my gas bill every three months is that fun. Paying my water bill is actually not that fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of good mm, stuff. Shopping in Tesco isn't shopping. That fun. The big shop though, that is the highlight of my week. I'm actually going to do that after this. My big Mate, shop of the week. Yeah, I thought it's, I said you like you look you're looking good. Like I think you've you've put on like a nice outfit to go down to. Yeah, uh, of course, it's my Tesco. big shop outfit. Can't be letting down the doorman there. Can't have him judging me. <laughs> People are watching. Yeah, exactly. Wait, it's the new scene. It is the new yeah, scene. Yeah. It's the aisles. It's what late checking out people in the aisles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, wow, hello. Pop down for the late night shop, mate. Exactly. I mean, Wednesdays. everyone's just doing it. Well, yeah, so you yeah. see big Tesco in uh, Hatch Central. Eight till ten mate. On yeah. the meat aisle. Fucking oh, hell. God. Fuck it. Gets a bit wild. Woo! I've told you now. <laughs> so, so you know Tesco Big Max tonight. from uh, I'm going there. They'll get you straight in. Oh, dear. So. Uh, how did you get on with your internship sort of requesting? Uh, and what kind of people were you targeting? And oh, why? What was I targeting for them? I think I just wanted to do anything. I was like, I was like, I would literally do anything. But job. like something like what kind of agencies or... Oh, it wasn't was even... Was it all around like a kind of... Uh, was it in fashion? Was it in... Oh, I did everything. Marketing? Like I applied to like... I think I applied to like Vogue. I applied to fashion houses. I applied to like everywhere I could think of I was like I'll just send them a thing okay send them a cover letter and what in your letter what would you say about yourself at that time when you oh, didn't really have much experience the usual stuff like my biggest fault is the fact that I am such a perfectionist I'm such a perfectionist and it really holds me back all that shit like I didn't I don't really know I didn't and also the problem is is, is, is like I wasn't one of these people who like I feel like everyone who comes to this podcast is like I knew mm. when I was 12 yeah, it yeah. came to me in a dream that I was going to be a director <laughs> and I'm like Shit, no, that didn't, definitely didn't happen to me. No. Nah. And I was just like applying for all these jobs and I was like, hopefully one of them will stick. They, none of them stuck. Spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> Ellie did not get any of the internships. My mum was like, and it's one of those things where I felt really bad. And my mum, she'd be like, the next one will come back. And I was like, the next one will come back. And it was like, sorry, madam, your application has been denied. And I was like, fuck, okay, cool. Madam. Sick. Someone ring Manchester University and ask for a refund because I'm not getting any jobs. Um, and then it all sort of changed when I went to my best friend's 21st. Yeah. And we were really pissed. And I got talking to her older brother, who was a big deal. He was the like youngest CMO top, uh, Burberry had ever had. He was like, he was currently working at Topshop because he left Burberry. And he was about to leave Topshop to go and start a business. Mm. And it was one of those things where drunk confidence has got me lot, lots of places. But fuck me, at this point, I was just like... Pfft 
three sheets of wind and he was being like, I'm looking for an assistant, a marketing assistant, who will also be my assistant. Yeah. And in my oh, head, mate. I'm like, assistant, I've watched Devil Wears Prada. Couldn't do that. Go and get coffee, run down the street, get some yeah, silk yeah. scarves. Sweet. Is that good. literally what you thought it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Drunk Ellie was like, Just I what you saw this. in films, basically, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I sort of, okay. I, was like, he, I was like, I'll do it. And he's like, I like you, you're chatty, I feel like you're organised. And I was in my head being like, yeah, I'm organised. Reality check, Ellie. Ellie was not organised, as we'll find out. Um, and yes, he was like, I'll do it. And I was like, okay, cool. Kind of woke up in the morning and was like, okay, cool. I think I accepted a job last night. And I looked at my inbox and there were like 60 emails. And I was like, Who, 60. who's emailing me? I was like, who emails me? I was like, mum's got really excited. Something's happened. Maybe my, maybe my internship's come back. Maybe I finally got one. yeah was not any of those. It was him forwarding me emails from his Topshop inbox being like, this is what you need to do. I need this, I need this. And I was like, fuck, I've actually accepted this job. Should have accepted this job. Talk about a baptism by fire. Oh, I mean, mate. where do you go from there? Well, like, just having all these emails in I front was, of you. All just... these emails. And I went downstairs to my mum and I was like, I got a job last night. And she was like, oh yeah, what job is this? And I was like, I'm going to be an executive assistant. And she was like, oh, that sounds fun. What are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. Well, I'm going to work it out. <laughs> Please know. let me look at these emails and work out what the fuck I'm going to be doing. Because I've accepted this job and it's my best friend's older brother. So I've got to do a good job. Shit. And that was basically it. And that's how it all sort of started. Really? That's That was the first like proper job I had. And it was a fucking... It was hard. Like, Talk to me about those first, like... I mean, everyone has a sort of different period of time when they're adjusting yeah like mine to do what i do now yeah uh, was quite long because i'd never really done it before as a producer yeah. so there's lots of sort of gray areas where i kind of had a rough idea what was expected of me but, yeah <clears throat> uh it was definitely kind of filling it in as, as as you went so what like i don't know you strike me as quite a quick learner to be honest ellie um, this is where it all falls down i'm afraid <laughs> sorry dear reader this is where it goes wrong um well no but I, I thought you'd just like take take to it really quickly or was it a bit of a sharp learning curve were there any big fuck-ups oh here we fuck, these fucking bloopers are gonna haunt me hard lessons learned lots of hard lessons learned i yeah. think so the the agency you're starting was called innovate seven and that was going to be a marketing agency but that was going to make money to basically fund an app you wanted to start called TunePix, which was basically like Instagram, but you put music to your pictures. Oh. And you reacted with emotion. When was this? In 2014, 15, I think. 13. Just looked at my LinkedIn. I don't wow. know. Sometime around then. Okay. So what? Okay. What so I'd li- and he and people would react to the pictures with emotion. So you'd be like, this, music, this picture and song makes me feel happy, sad, angry, confused, whatever. And so we started off doing this. And what I quickly learned was, is he was very used to having an assistant who had done a course, who knew how to use Excel spreadsheets, who knew his inner workings of his mind. I did not know any of this. Mm. And I didn't really know anything about marketing. And the things we did were amazing. In hindsight, I was, I, it was mental. I was emailing like Brian Chesky, who's the founder of Airbnb and getting his name wrong. And like, <laughs> Doing and emailing like Will I Am's assistant and get fuck ups all over the email. Like it was wild the stuff we were doing. But I just wasn't, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to go out with my friends. I yeah. didn't really want it, like, and I wasn't, I didn't have that mindset quite yet to be like, shit, right, this is a great opportunity. This is like a stepping stone. Yeah. Let's put the graft in now. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's tricky to sort of just switch into that because yeah. you are still young. You still want to 
having a good time is kind of still at the top of your list, to be honest, right, isn't 100%. it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like it's not until you get to like, I don't know. Um, for me, it was like mid twenties that I really started knuckling down, as it were. Like I've worked hard, you know, over the yeah. last few years and stuff, but. I kind of understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, and it wasn't that, and I think I warmed up to it, and I definitely like worked yeah. for it. But when you look, when I look back on like how out of control it was a lot of the time, I'm like, wow, that man is a saint for hiring me because <laughs> fuck, I was not good. But like, he he himself was difficult. I'm not good. Like he was tricky. Like being someone's assistant is fucking hard work. So shout out to everyone who's an assistant because you guys are amazing. Because yeah. he would do stuff like I'd book him flights. He'd be going to LA. He'd be going to paris wherever and you you soon learn that these people like to sit on certain bits of the train they only drive certain cars but there was one time he rang me from la and was like i've left my car at the airport the queue was too long and it has to be at the hotel in half an hour and i was like what (laughs) so i had to ring these people and be like hi so he's left the car behind because the queue was too long so can you drop the car at the hotel so you're basically his nice smiley translator pretty much (laughs) and like and he'd be like you buy flowers for the office and they wouldn't be the avalanche grade one white roses that he wanted You'd have to spritz the office with two spritzes of a specific thing that he liked the smell of before he got to the office. What? You had to have special, like, he'd go through these diet phases that he'd only eat certain foods. You'd have to go and, like, buy. But he'd be the he'd be the kind of guy who would describe the thing he wanted for lunch. Be like, the ham with the dots. And you'd be like, what the fuck is the ham with the dots? So you'd go to the shop and you'd be looking for ham with dots. I eventually worked out what ham it was. This ham will stay in my brain for the rest of my life. Is it like that? Um... Mortadella ham. That's what it is, folks. If someone says to you, ham with spots. Ham. Yeah, it's very fancy ham. He got very obsessed with it. So we, he would only eat that for a bit. And it was just wild stuff. I'd be like organising his house insurance. And I've never insured a house before. I'm like 23 years old. Fuck. Yeah, so it was like big work. But he taught me that he'd worked fucking hard. He was young yeah. and had been so successful. And he'd work really hard. His background, had he ever been like an assistant or something junior? He, I'm not entirely sure. I think he, he'd start off at Tom Ford and kind of worked his way up. I don't think he okay. he was ever quite an assistant, but he was the kind of guy that would be good at what, whatever it was that he wanted to do. Do you know oh, what I mean? Okay, just yeah. one of those sort of naturally gifted at most things yeah, types of people. Yeah, pretty much. Those so annoying types of people. It was quite, yeah, <laughs> it was quite wild. I was talking to my mum for this and she was like, I remember everything that you've done at your jobs, even if you don't remember. So I'll tell you what you need to know. And I was like, oh God, like what stuff have we done? But hey, we should get her in. We'll get, oh my get God, mum would love in. that. Oh my That'd God, mum's definitely going to listen to this, by the way. Hi, mum. <laughs> um, shout out, mum. Shout out, mum. But yeah, we did amazing stuff. Like we relaunched Stan Smith's, the shoes that everyone loves to hate. We mm-hmm. relaunched those in the UK. We built a massive shoe box in Truman Brewery and what? had a whole experience and gifted, like I stole Idris Elba's chair at the event. It was very embarrassing. I didn't know who he was. And he was like, I'm sat there. And I was like, oh, sorry, who are you? And he's like, I'm Idris Elba. And I was like, oh, right, yep, excuse me while I move. Yeah. (laughs) We learned a lot. We learned a huge amount, but it was very, it was like cool. It was amazing. And like we did some stuff with Airbnb that they used up until like two years ago. Like it was really amazing stuff. But I remember I was about six months in and I went, I was at home with my parents and it had been one of those weeks where it had all gone wrong and he shouted at me and it was horrible. And Mm. I lay lay on the kitchen table and cried and was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You mentioned earlier that you've struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. Yeah. Did this not put it through the roof? Absolutely, 150% to the point where I tried to take medication to help and all it did was make it so much worse. Really? And so I was there like freaking out on this new medicine, trying to work, 
trying to hurt, trying to help this guy mm. and like it it did get a lot at some points but i guess it kind of taught me that just because i wasn't having a great day didn't mean his day didn't his day didn't stop it's yeah i think one of the most important things i've realized is detaching yourself mm. from work sometimes mm. don't letting it impact or ruin your day if it's kind of you know maybe out of your control or just don't sort of you know let it ruin your entire sort of mindset yeah at the end of the day it's only a tiny proportion of what your life consists of yeah and no one's died you know we don't work in an industry where mm. you're saving lives i beg or... to differ but he really made it feel like <laughs> really yeah oh yeah like but being an assistant his, like your day doesn't finish till his day finishes well no you're you're an extension of him effectively of, yeah of the person you're assisting everything and birthday you have presents to, you have to read their minds yeah. like <laughs> birthday cards, the whole lot and like there were some days when i'd wake up and he 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 was that guy who would go to bed at midnight and wake up at 4am i didn't Ooh. wake up till like 7 30 yeah. and i'd be there like oh another list 60%. of 70 emails yeah, yeah. emails th- all these requests for things and like sometimes it was fine but sometimes and also running a new business is so stressful of course that he was a bit all over the place as well so it was just a bit mm. of like a it was wild but i learned a lot a lot a lot a lot that's crucial quick at that yeah at that period of your life i think it's so valuable to get like just intense experience yeah. yes it's stressful it's like it's it can be really overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. but it's it's worth its weight in gold yeah 100% and i think regardless of what happened i try to be enthusiastic about everything and i think if you know me well you know that I can get excited about most things. Working in PR, you have to be able to get excited. I've worked on baby food. I've worked on everything. And, and the client would think I was so excited about this new range of baby food, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> man, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting. So how long were you working for him? A year, a whole, I literally got to like the last week and I was like, right, I've got to get out of here. Really? I've got to leave. And I applied for an internship and finally got one, guys. Yes. <laughs> finally, it took a year of me doing a proper job to get one. Do you think the only difference was your experience or do you, were you carrying yourself differently? Was your CV or your cover letter completely different? Like having spent a year in the sort of trenches as it were? Yeah, I think I had a lot of good brands on my CV because I'd, I hadn't done a huge amount. And you know, when you're like quite junior, you don't do loads, but you do like research or you sit in meetings and you listen. And then that way, as an extension, your agency worked on these amazing clients so you can put them on your CV. So I had all these names I didn't have before mm-hmm. on my CV. So I think that really helps. Just a bit eye-catching or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like it was good stuff. So I think when you write on your CV, like I've worked on all like Adidas and Eli Optics, which is what I am, eyewear brand that I think died, but like an Airbnb and stuff, they're like, okay, cool. Like yes. she's done some stuff Known that I recognize. Yeah. yeah, of course. So I think that helped nice a lot. Mate. Where where was your internship? So it was at a PR agency called Frank in Camden. And I think it was another baptism of a different kind of fire. <laughs> I think it was like, I'd, I kind of just got my head around being someone's assistant. Yeah. And now I was doing something completely different, and the dragon wasn't. What was the what? What were the what were you doing? Well, it's PR. This is when like I started doing PR. So uh, okay, it, right. instead of the dragon being the guy whose house insurance I was paying, the dragon was the journalist I was having to ring to get them to write about dildos or whatever the thing <laughs> was that I'd been given that week to do. Yeah. Or and you know like journalists like very i mean they, they do an amazing job but they can they can prs get really run through the ringer so like if you send emails you used to like screen grab them put them on twitter and be like haha this pr sent me a stupid email blah 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 really 
man. Yeah. So, so what, why was it such a hard baptism by fire? What kind of stuff did they have you doing? Like Oh, everything. I used to do these like creative beer send outs and I'd put, I'd like decided for Wimbledon one, I was going to send all these journalists like plastic tennis rackets and tennis balls. And they were sending me pictures of them playing tennis in the street. It was quite jokes. That That's was quite cool. cool. And for like Christmas and you'd, or for Easter, you'd send them like Easter eggs with beers and stuff like that. Although there was this FT journalist who wrote, it was like the worst send out he'd ever received. And so I decided to ring him and let him know just why it wasn't the worst send out he received. He actually became a friend of mine, which is actually quite good. That was good, good. That was a good outcome of that one, actually. <laughs> I literally rang him and I was like, why are you being mean about me on Twitter? You don't even know me. And he was like, it was you. I was like, yeah, I thought you'd like it. And he was like, it's kind of lame. I was like, yeah, I think it's kind of lame too, but I've got to do this. So like, please don't write about me on Twitter. And he was like, you know what? Fair. Fair enough. I That's won't. Nice. Yeah. So that account. kind of human element. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I think there are a lot of journalists that have a really tough time. There was another woman at the Daily Star who was a dragon and no one ever wanted to speak to. And I was like, I'll just do it. I'll ring her. Yeah. Oh. And then she and I actually became friends. So that was good as well. So yeah, you, just, you must have the personality sort of. I uh, think I'm quite close. shameless. I'm like quite willing to be like, I know this isn't a great story <laughs> and I'm sorry, but it's my job to ring you. So I'm going to ring you. So You're just coming with the realness. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I guess I think they probably so. just don't really get much of it in maybe yeah. in their working world. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. so. And I think when you preempt it being like, I know you're not going to like this, but I have to ring you. They're kind of like, okay, cool. If you're straightforward like that, I think it kind, it kind of, of works. puts their guard down maybe a little yeah. bit instead of like, what the fuck are you trying to sell me? Or yeah, like, exactly. what are you trying to do? Yeah, yeah pretty oh, much. Amazing. So what was, uh, what was the next step? How long was the internship for? A year? So I was in, it was an internship for a month and you, oh, were, wow. you were basically pitted against three other people. What? Yeah, it was kind of like Hunger Games. And that, how do you feel about that? It wasn't great, I no. won't lie, but... Because there's carrot and stick methods, but like yeah. pitting people against each other. Well, they never they never explicitly said to us. No, of course. But they'd but... say like, there's one job at the end. And you'd be like, I really want that job. I really want yeah. that job. And I'd, I'd just gone from being paid and salaried to no money. So wow, you'd get paid wow. your travel and your food, which oh. was like five pounds a day plus three quid for your travel. So I'd gone from salary to this. Near and deal. I'm not going to lie to you. There was not some wild salary, but oh, being an assistant <laughs> does not pay, especially when you are starting out. But yeah, so I've gone from that and I was like, shit, I really need this job because like I've got no income. So I was like, okay, cool. Sweet, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and I luckily got the job, and I stayed there. And I did, we did so much stuff. I did like Christmas carols with David Hasselhoff. That was quite jokes. That what? man wears so much makeup; it's unreal. But he has he had a really nice outfit on, like blue velvet and matching shoes, and that has never left me. Honestly, I think about that. David Hasselhoff jacket. in blue velvet, open, yeah. Uh, open. Neck yeah, color. of course, yes. very open shirt, too far, like weirdly yeah. low, like nip slip level. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And he's was... like he's a strange color, isn't he? Old. That's off. the makeup. Is that, oh right, I thought he was just in a sunbed 24-7. No, his skin, yeah, but then his face, they can't quite match it to his skin tone, so you've no. got a lot of shades going on here. It's like a sort of two-tone tea bag. That's, that's him. He was uh, In blue he was velvet. In blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was a real, but it was like my first thing that they'd set me out to do, and I'd just got the job, and I was yeah. really excited, and they're like, I was like, oh my God, David Hasselhoff, this is going to be amazing. It was basically him and a bunch of pharmacists singing mm. Christmas carols. It was so weird in hindsight. <laughs> so weird. What do you think gave you the edge over the other people who were maybe gunning for that job at the agency? I, talking to people and making friends with people and I would do any job. I've never been, I've never been a princess and I've always been like, yeah, I can be a bit grumpy sometimes, mm -hmm. but I always will do the job. Like I'll do it. And I stayed, I remember one time I was trying to, I was reading the results off an Excel spreadsheet with one of the people who was more senior than me. 
and they're from results from different countries and so I was reading out the results and accents of all the different countries that we were doing to make it more fun it was like 8 30 at night and we were going we'd been going through this for hours and I was like this will make it more fun I'll just do it in accents it turned into a bit of a performance pick me up yeah exactly so I think it was all those kind of things and just like trying to come up with ideas for stuff that were slightly out of the box from what they were doing already um yeah I mean and just working nice one yeah not How long were you there for once they gave you the job? One year. Okay. Then I went for a very short stint at somewhere else. I thought I wanted, to, I was so desperate to get, I got to a point there where they weren't great. They weren't that nice to you. And you didn't feel that valued. And I was, and one of my directors left and she was like, you know, come. Mm. And I went and it just didn't work out. It was just one of, it was the, one of the, f- like the few places that you get there and you're like, no there's no amount of enthusiasm that is going to get me through this like I don't want to be here yeah so I stayed for three months and then I kind of went to manifest which is obviously when I started Mm -hmm. when I met you guys yeah through Northy the best (laughs) um and I was there for three and a half years I think amazing yeah so that was like the first time like I had like my work family like they were really they were really like nice grump like grump Grump, grump of people, a group, a grump. <laughs> nice grumpy people. A nice grump of people. <laughs> um, they're like really nice. It was when they were like much smaller than they are now. So you yep. had a little office and yeah, I felt like I, that the people I really like thought were really cool. Like the work we did was like, like funnish, like, you know, we did loads of different things. So I was like, oh yeah, I kind of really want to do PR now. I like really like it. Mm-hmm. I kind of had been doing it for enough time. I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit more. And I felt a bit more confident and yeah, yeah it kind of stuck. In, so In those three and a half years at Manifest, yeah. obviously when you joined, it was probably considerably smaller yeah. by the company. Did you prefer that smaller dynamic yeah. where you've got more responsibility or do you prefer the larger dynamic of the company where it's a bit more chilled out? You know, it's not all on you. Hmm. I think I liked it when we just moved into the, the new offices, the offices that they have now. Yeah. And there was this really, really amazing six month window that I remember being like, fuck, I love this place mm-hmm. so much. Like I would hang out with the people I work with outside of work. Like it really was amazing. It's always a good sign. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then I think it's just got bigger and bigger and like amazing. Shout out to them. They're doing an amazing job. But that was my favorite. Like when you remember it, yeah. I remember standing on a corner on a corner of a road holding a vacuum cleaner having a chat while people are just like driving past like what are you doing <laughs> like it was really fun and you you know they really looked after you and they actually cared about you which I think is so important like I think everyone I'd worked before they didn't really your colleagues cared about you but the business didn't really care but their business was like we do value you and we do care about you and you could you could see that in the you know people have been there for a long time like six seven years and you know that was you know that's how you kind of Mm. could really see it come through does that make sense absolutely yeah. yeah so what was the culture like you know at manifest you you, you said you joined uh, when it was quite small and it got quite big did they manage to maintain you know the, the culture how did it how did it change over the time you were there yeah i think it it went like a lot of businesses it went through a lot of growing pains where like you know people left and people joined and it was really weird because like big characters would leave and you'd be like oh man shit you know there's one girl who left who 
I will never forgive this. She said she was going to Australia for a year. She is still in Australia. You know exactly who you are. If she listens to this, she definitely will. She abandoned me to go to Australia and I was like gutted because she was the girl who was like so funny when I first joined. I was like, oh my God, how are you that confident in a room? Like she would light the room up and you'd walk into these meetings and clients would be like, you're back. And I'd be like, fuck man, no client has ever said to me like that excitedly, like you're back. They'd be like, oh, it's you again. And I'd be like, oh shit, sorry. Yeah, it's me, yay, we're back, yay. And she left and I was like, fuck. And then other people joined who were, you know, amazing. And you were kind of like, okay, cool, this is great. And then my other big boss left and she went to New York to go and head up Manifest New York office. And she's having the best time. She's now got a boyfriend. She's definitely not coming back. Another person who told me she'd be gone for a year. And I was like, damn, everyone's going and like, what's gonna happen yeah but you know they hired other people and these other people were great and it kind of just changed it wasn't it changed but it wasn't bad yeah but in your head you're used to an agency being a certain format and as it grew you know more personalities came in and it was like it was good it was just different and it wasn't necessarily bad yeah nice i mean everything has to change i guess sooner or later yeah exactly yeah um what you said you're at manifest for three and a half years i think three or four years yeah what was the sort of decision path to leave where did you go um, you know, were you offered the job first or did you sort of move away from Manifest and then start looking for something? What, what, how did you do it and do you think it was the best way? I kind of had an idea of different places I want to work. So I kind of reached out to a few people, like I interviewed at Google and kind of got through a few rounds of that and then didn't get through the next round. And then I was like, cool, this isn't meant to happen. It's not meant for me, like whatever, it's all fine. And then I started looking at the agencies where I thought I wanted to go. And it's really hard when you've been somewhere because like Manifest Me was like my end goal. I was like, cool, I'm never going to leave. As you do, like, you know, you're there a year and you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm never going to leave. This is amazing. And then you kind of get three years down. You're like, cool, I need to, like, I need a change. And my mum was like, you'll know when you're ready. God, mum features a lot in this, weird. Um, so, um, and she was like, you know when you're ready and you'll go and you'll, get, you'll go and get another job. And I was like, no, I'm never going to be like that. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, yeah, definitely, I'm ready for a change. And I think I'd grown up so much there. I'd gone from being like, very like, I'd gone from being like a bit, um, I was a bit too emotional, put it that way. I found my moods a bit all over the place. And I was like, oh God, this isn't very, quite painful for them. They were great, they stood by me like any good parent did would. They stood by me, sort of went through the rocky patch, came out the other side, everything was going great. And I was like, cool. I now feel like I'm confident enough and I know enough to go and I'm ready. Um, and so I started looking at agencies and I went to for a few interviews and I was like, none of this feels right. There's a lot of places that felt very much like that kind of first agency I went to. Yeah. A lot of places where they were like, cool, but like there were a few things that didn't quite add up for me in my head. And I was like, cool, I'm kind of in a position where I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I couldn't make a choice because wherever I'm going to go next, I'm going to be there for a long time. And then I went and did an interview at Exposure where I am now and it just felt right. I walked into the room and I was like, okay, cool. I feel like this is like, these people, yeah. I get it. What do you think it was? How can you just pick up I don't that really fast? know, you know. I think I can tell with people if I like them really fast. Like, and I really liked the mix of personalities that were in the room. Like there were the three directors on the team that I work on and they were all really different. And I think there's something really nice about that, you know. And, you know, so I kind of, I just was like, cool, this is the right place. This is where I want to go. I really want this job. And I'd have, I'd spoken to them like three months before, and they'd be like, "Sorry, we've got no jobs for you." Like, and I was like, "Oh, damn it!" Back in the internship situation where I'm like, "Please, somebody, <laughs> anyone, yeah. please." And then they emailed me, I'm like, "We'd like to interview," and I was like, "Oh my god, amazing, great, yay!" And then I went, and it kind of it worked out, and I was I was like excited to go, and it felt right, and like I think I spoke to my 
line manager at the time, someone I'm still friends with now, who was amazing. She is like still one of my best friends. Like she's brilliant. And like some of the stuff you'd see her doing, I'd be like, how do you do that? Like still now I'm like, dude, wow, <laughs> sure. Great, I'm never gonna be like you, great. Um, and I said to her, she was like, you, there's no point us, there's no point counter offering you something. I feel like you're ready to go. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I need to go and do something else and be at another agency, so. Yeah, nice mate, yeah. how's it been? How, how long have you been at Exposure How long now? have I been there? I've been at Exposure since July 2019. Okay. But what I realised is basically I've spent more time in Corona times at the agency than actually in the office, which is very weird. That's quite surreal. Yeah, so I joined in July and then we went, I, d I remember, I was looking back at my emails when you, you were like, do you want to come on? And I was like, fuck, we're going to work out I've been doing for all this time. Like, what the fuck <laughs> have I done with the last six years? Look back at your emails. Yeah. yeah I yeah, was yeah. looking back and I remember, and I looked and I was like, I saw the email they sent to my boss being like, hey, I'm not coming into the office because I'm really scared about what is coming. And that was in the beginning of March. And really? I think we went into lockdown two weeks later. Wow. So yeah. what gave you the sort of tip off? nothing just reading the news really? i was like dude this is bad and yeah. everyone's like when you know good old fucking meat suit was on tv being like don't worry we're in england nothing's gonna happen to us i was like dude you are dumb like yeah. this is coming he it's didn't even close down the airports mate yeah like, this guy was just like we're british how nothing do you think bad it works yeah. and you're like oh it's not God. gonna swim across mate but yeah exactly uh, yeah um and so i remember and i sent that email to my boss and then i emailed the like my counterpart on the team and I was like mm -hmm. see you in three months this will be cool and here we are still Amazing. not back in the office <laughs> <laughs> you're getting there one day mate yeah, yeah maybe so we've heard a little bit about that stuff uh let's get down to your biggest clanger I've got drunk client keynote oh as a footnote on this one so yeah there's lots Lots to dissect. Uh, lots I want to know. What? Oh. Come on, tear up. So we used to work with Unilad at Manifest, and it was very, it was wild because the guys who ran it were like my age, yeah, and they were like in charge of this like wild beast of a company that was growing and growing and growing, yeah. And part of it was profiling them and getting them out there as individuals. So I we organised this keynote where they were going to go and talk to all of these other creative professionals about like what they were doing. And I found out that before this, that Irish like football, it was a football rugby was on and they were having a party in their office. And my boss was like, you should probably go and just make sure they don't get too drunk. And oh, I was no. like, don't worry, I got this. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be pulling pints out of their hands. They're gonna be on the waters. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and I turn up and I'm like, this is fine. Everything's cool. And then I'm looking out the corner of my eye and they're like, there's tequila shots and there's many pints of Guinness. And I'm like, not so good. And then I was like, to them, I was like, do you wanna stop drinking now you got the keynote? And they were like, no, not really. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, just don't drink as much. And you're just watching them just continuing to do what they were doing. And I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> And it becomes apparent at like half five, the talk's at six, that they don't want to leave. And I was like, well, we've got to go. And they're like, oh, do we have to? And I was like, yes, you've got to go, please, who you, who please. Who are you giving please. the talk to, sorry? They were doing a talk for like, they were doing the keynote speech for this creative evening thing. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, And so oh, we were no. walking there and they were like really <laughs> pissed. And then they, I was How like- How many people are at this ceremony? Like watching? 80 people maybe, 80, 90 people. Okay. And they're like all like, they're not like, they're like heads of brands, they're like, you know, and then not drunk rugby fans, not drunk rugby uni lads. And I was like, the whole point of this whole thing was to rebrand them and not make them uni lads, but they were living up to every single bit of what you thought they'd be. <laughs> they get up on the stage and you're like, and I'm like, this is fine. And then one of them starts rapping and I'm like, 
like drunk rapping and I'm like nope this has definitely not gone well no they're definitely really pissed and this also was all filmed and put on the internet as part of the thing oh where can people see it I don't know I don't know I refuse <laughs> they sent me on. no this was a long time ago this is like three years ago and I refused they sent me the link and I was like I'm never watching this ever I, I refuse and then speech. they did a mic drop as they left the stage and they didn't follow the presentation really they sort of rambled yeah what did the audience make of it? I think they were just quite surprised and shocked. Do you have like a kind of a policy for yourself when coming up with ideas? Like, mm-hmm. do you just rely on your your own judgment in terms of like you say when things are received badly? Mm-hmm. Like we've all seen it in the in you know the press, media, mm-hmm. social media, all this kind of stuff. When something like a certain campaign just hits the wrong note mm-hmm. and it explodes. Like, how sensitive are you to that kind of thing? Does it hold you back quite a lot? Or, I don't know, do you just have, like, a natural sort of gauge in your in yourself that's like, let's not push it that far? I think there are some things that... I think we live in a world where the internet is going to pull you up no matter what. Like, it's, you know, as much as it's an echo chamber for things that agree with what you're thinking, it's also, like, a huge place where anyone can offer an opinion on anything. So I think you kind of have to have, like, quite a thick skin in that respect and be like, not everyone's going to love it. Um, I think judgment a lot of the time is is right but I think they're just sometimes when you just get it wrong mm-hmm. and you know it can go through loads of people on the team and we can sit there and be like yeah I think this is fine and sometimes it just goes wrong yeah and it's you're just like just a like, direction that you don't see you didn't foresee people just, taking your thing yeah. story as and sometimes it there's nothing you can do and you just have to bring the client and be like let's stop all comms on this cut yeah. it get rid of it let's Trying to get people to stop talking about it. Yeah. And just don't say anything, batten down the hatches, pretend it's not happening. <laughs> like a hurricane. Pretend. Stay inside and watch Netflix. Pretend it's not going on. Just, just do not disturb mode. Yeah, exactly. Do not dis- yeah, literally that exactly don't respond to anything. But yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I think there's a lot of clients that are very bold, like Brewdog, you you know, they they really are out there with their stuff and I think we've done some stuff for them where you know, it's not possibly gone very well, but, you know, they've got a good relationship with the client. And I think that's part of it as well, is just being like, being able to be honest and be like, look guys, this hasn't gone to plan. Sorry about that. We're going to stop. We, we recommend this and mm-hmm. yeah, hope for the best. Because it's just a time when you have to say it. it is what it is. It's a bit of a dice roll. You know, usually it just hits that nice medium of doing well. Yeah. It doesn't go crazy and like really good or it doesn't backfire. But yeah. It's just a sort of average. You have to own it, yeah. You just have to own it, I think. And especially with clients, I think that's also why having good relationships with people in this is so important because you've got to be able to turn around and be like, because a lot of the time it's these these people own the brand and it's like watching their baby like fall down the stairs and you're like, oh shit, that's my fault. I should have shut the baby gate. Shit. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And you have to go and be like, I'm really sorry. We've all been there. Yeah, catch the baby at the end. So our last section, Ellie, is sort of advice for, for people listening. The first one, first question I'm going to ask you is uh, for people who maybe want to go into PR and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, what would your advice be for people maybe coming out of uni or, you know, even wanting to make a career change if you've been working in something completely different? What's what's maybe your, your tips for getting yourself in the door? I guess apply. Do, do the old, apply to as many agencies as you can but just make sure you've looked at what they do and, you know, go and try out a few agencies, I guess, and 
do as much as you can really email as many people as you can tweet them dm them on instagram i had someone facebook message me the other day about a job about tv presenting definitely related to my mum or my grandma i think it was my granny <laughs> being like hey i want to give you a tv presenter i'm like i have no idea how to do that because that's not what i do um <laughs> email people message them on i don't know instagram i don't know i literally just threw shit at a wall until it stuck to be totally honest with you i literally emailed as many people as i could i yeah that's literally what i did but it's also uh, I mean, one thing I I kind of picked up on how you got your opportunity was keeping your ears open for the opportunities. It's not always going to come through a tweet or a reply to an email. It was your mate's brother. Yeah. Like, know how to spot opportunities, I think, is just as important as, like, yeah. throwing yourself out there in terms of, like, CDs and stuff. Because that's what I try and explain to people now. I'm yeah. like, they're like, you know, how did you get into what you do? It's like, well, I made lots of cups of tea. Like, did lots of sort of shit I didn't really want to do. Mm. But uh, whenever director friends of mine or, like, people, I, you know, maybe I've just met, whenever they I hear them talking about a project that they're working on or they need a hand with something mm. or, like, anything that you may be able to insert yourself and just show up and be yeah. there, just jump on it. Yeah, like, I think I'm a bit better about doing this now. Like, I've started managing a content creator on the side of doing my main job as well. Okay because that was an opportunity that I think is something I could help with because I've been on both sides. I've been on the agency and now I'm on that creator side of things as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm better at doing that as an adult because I think I have a tiny bit more confidence in my ability. But I think being able to listen out for those opportunities at the beginning, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I was, I'm still surprised they have not fired me from my job. So like, fuck, I better like stick to the job that I've just managed. Do you know what I mean? So I think... Yeah, definitely, I think. See, and there's you saying that you didn't learn anything because you go to uni. Look, see, you did that when you were younger. I was not doing that. I was literally like, fuck, I need to keep one job. If I could keep one job, then this is good. Yeah. And then I think as I've got older, I've been like, like I help people with stuff. If people come to me and they're like, I don't know about this, but I'm starting a little brand, can I have some advice? Like, I will always help That's if it. I can. Yeah. It's super valuable because I know like, I've got a few friends now and if they've got like a little passion project on the weekend and they need help, getting their equipment to the top of a car park at six in the morning. They'll give me a call because they yeah. know I'm always up for it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's fun and, you know, we always have a great time. Yeah, like, and I think that comes, I think that for me that came later that I felt like I could help, that I could mm -hmm. offer something that was actually valuable. But I think it took a bit of time for me to be like, one, is this a job I want to do? Two, am I even doing this job to any kind of value level? Because I think that was a big thing. I think confidence in you, as much as I appear a very confident person, not... Like a lot of, it's taken me a long time to get literally sure, in a position yeah, where I'm yeah. like, cool, I trust, I trust myself to yes. do this, and the judgment I'm making is the right one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I guess there's confidence that people see, and then there's faith in yourself. Right. Without uh, getting too deep, this low play lifted or something <laughs> to close out the podcast. Yeah, yeah, eat some of these mushrooms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool, excellent. Um, and then secondly, what's your advice for people who are working from home? during this sort of current period of just being indoors all day, being at home all day, your office is your bedroom, your bedroom is your office. Like, what's your advice to, to sort of help people not start losing, you know, I, losing I, personally, I'm getting really squirrely now because it's winter, mm -hmm. can't go out as much, oh, okay. not really seeing many of my friends. I mean, luckily I live with my friend Jake, so there's some interaction there. Mm. but I'm still just like every day is the same groundhog day like 
I don't know, what's your advice for, to help people kind of get through this? I guess that routine for me has really saved me. Every morning I get up at quarter seven and I go for a walk and a run. So I get I go for an hour out for like two hours maybe. Oh, really? Go for a walk and run every morning. I like, at one. Bit, I think it's also just like listening to yourself. Like at the beginning, in the first lockdown, I was going to bed at 8.30 in the evening and waking up at like 5am and going out then. Because that was what I needed to do. Because I, so, I think my body was so fucked from like, anxiety stress worry being fucking tired and like did not know which way it was going and i was like cool if i need to sleep i'm gonna sleep and i guess it's just like if you can do stuff to like sort like improve where you're working like i've bought loads of plants and i live in like a semi-jungle filling that east london stereotype completely. <laughs> <laughs> i grew vegetables for a bit that was good nice. i make jewelry yeah, oh, they all died. I've made jewellery now for <laughs> my all phone. Died. They you all get to died. Eat any of them? Yeah, cucumbers, peppers, what else? Like strawberries, tomatoes. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to bring nice. it all back this summer. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I did a bit of everything. Been a bit of jewellery making, got into reading, got into cooking for a bit, and then went back to eating crisps and baby bells. I got to a point <laughs> halfway through lockdown where all I could stomach was chocolate buttons, baby bells, and crisps, and I was just eating those. That was all I was eating. Yeah, but it's what I needed to happen. Yeah. And sometimes I was doing a bit of yoga for a bit. I kind of just listened to myself. But what I made sure is, is every day I get up at the same time without fail, up at the same time, make sure I eat at least two meals a day of mm-hmm. something that is not shit. Yeah. And that's it, really. Loads of chocolate buttons. That's a good piece of advice. <laughs> Milk chocolate buttons or the orange ones. They're big Tesco, Hackney Central. Always got good supply. Okay. Eat those two. They're good. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Cadbury's. Yeah, so, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Cadbury's. Give us that money. Give us that corporate cash. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think from what I've picked up from people, it's been like, do little things that make you happy and don't worry about like driving yourself too hard. Yeah, but I think time. sometimes some of the things that I do don't make me particularly happy, like getting up at quarter six in the morning, quarter seven in the morning when it's really? pissing with rain and it's fucking cold yeah. to go for a walk is not actually that fun. But when do you start feeling happy then? Yeah, when you get going and you're like, you're and like you're there. you're out in it and you're just, okay, we're, we're here you now. You've got the rain on your face and the splash and the car that's going past you in the puddle or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Like once you like get going and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I know I'm like, yeah. and you kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting up at six o'clock tomorrow morning, actually. You enjoy it? mudlarking. Mudlarking, what yeah, on earth is that? It's uh, when the tide goes out on the Thames. And you get down onto the riverbed and start looking around. Ooh. You find cool shit, yeah. Nice. It's mostly, mostly like 18th century China. Nice. But you can find pipes and jewellery and mm. cool glass. I guess, and also, actually, the other bit of advice is go exploring. Yes. I've, I walked 204 miles last year, which really? is about six and a half miles a day. Wow. And that was all over the place. But because I literally walked, like I've walked up to Tottenham, I've like fallen in love with Clapton, like the one. love yeah. Clapton. Clapton's gorgeous. Going down, my best friend actually did a Jack the Ripper tour for me <laughs> on the weekend, <laughs> really? which was jokes. She <laughs> is a real dramatist. So she was there like flipping her coat like it was a, like I it was you a cloak. Say, like fake guts and no, stuff. No, 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 no. She had like, like a, she had a little soundtrack being played as she was like talking through all the deaths. Like, oh, that's amazing. Like, and like we did all this sort of stuff and it's like, everyone's like, oh my God, that is so lame. But it was actually, do you know what? On a Sunday. Wait, that's Sounds banging. It was the I best. And we went and we always go on like food walks. There's always like nice in Hackney there's amazing places to go and eat. So we used to we would like walk to the food and then go for a further walk. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So like stuff like that, I think. It's the one. I've yeah. I've explored so many areas of London um over the last sort of year while we've been yeah. sort of locked up as it were. Uh but it's there's something weird. It's, my dad always used to say is like on his days off when I'd be at school or whatever, he'd just get the train into London and walk around. I'd be like, what why is that fun? Like, why do you do it? Yeah. And now that's what I do most of my time. And it's, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Just 
that's definitely there's that's some, definitely a big thing. Good about the walking pace, like especially on holiday as well. It's the best exercise for everything, you too. Everything is it? Yeah, it doesn't it's, put your body under super super yeah. so much stress as running. That impact. Yeah, but like, it's been it's honestly there's so many people are like oh Hutney's all Shoreditch High Street definitely not like no bollocks man. There's like leave out. I got obsessed with some cows actually. That's true. In the yeah. summer, oh my god, obsessed with these cows. In the Lee Valley, there was this little group of cows and there was like six of them and I used to go and see them at least once a week. Oh. And I used to go down. They're down by the canal and it was literally I used to go down and just be like hey guys yeah, I'm back yeah. you don't remember me but I remember you <laughs> this is cool like yeah it's just little things like that yeah it's like big things and saw loads of my, lots of my friends have been like have really had shit times mm. but lo- some of them have done like are now doing better than they were before coronavirus it's funny isn't it yeah mad and like hanging out with them they've been like the best yeah. like everyone's been looking after each other Big time, big time. I think it's kicked in. Yeah, it's definitely had this more of a nurturing sort of impact on people. Mm. But I've noticed it in sort of my friendship circle as well. When something happens now, it's way more of like a community reaction mm. instead of just like, well, you know, I'm kind of busy trying to fucking keep my own life on the rails. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Whereas now it's like, well, we've got some time. So yeah. why don't we all sit down and mm. like have a chat together? But um well, mate, thanks for your advice on uh, on the lockdown biz. Go and find some um, friendly cows. Yeah, go find some friendly cows, <laughs> comfort cows. <laughs> um, hopefully, I mean, it's it's end of Jan now, coming into Feb, it's February. So I'm really hoping this will all be done by like May. <laughs> no, probably not. No, I think, I think the end of yeah. the summer. I don't I know, think I'm missing... Really holidays the most i had three cancelled last year oof yeah and every time it was like cancelled try and rebook cancelled try and rebook cancelled no i gave up i was just just like this emotional yo-yoing of like we're going on holiday to fucking stuck in your house no 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 i just the thing that really got me by the end of corona was all those people who like oh my god guys we made it through lockdown yay 2020 and there was loads of pitch them on holiday i was like babes you have not been locked down honey do you know what lockdown <laughs> yeah. means lockdown is like stay lockdown does where not involve you are airplanes, yeah like. exactly <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today i hope to get you on again soon uh once we're uh, come on I know you've, stories, no, you've got plenty of stories <laughs> I'm going to get them out of you and if I can't get them out of you I'm going to call your mum oh fuck she's got all the stories yeah, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah thank you so much take care of yourself and uh, I'll hopefully see you soon thank you That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at family creative. That's on Instagram. Or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.